I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode, I got to have my friend, Mr. Max Lucavere, on the show. Max is rad. He is the director of upcoming documentary called Breadhead, which gets into the effects of things like gluten and grains and such on our bodies and our brains. Uh, we get into some some deep personal stories of his uh, what got him originally into cognitive function and uh, preventing slash reversing things like dementia and Alzheimer's and uh, just really, really great conversation. Max is a buddy, so we got to have pretty comfortable, comfortable combo here, and uh, that is always my preference is to just have organic conversation so i hope you guys really enjoy you know when we walked out of the doctor's office i did what any kid with an unlimited data plan would do and i googled the drug to see what kind of drug or drugs my mom was prescribed and um one of them was for alzheimer's disease and uh i just you know like i i think that was the first time in my life i've ever had like a panic attack um Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you will find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. And you can also check out the show notes on the podcast page, which features anything that we mentioned as far as books or popular names mentioned or any type, anything that's that's Googleable, uh, we keep in the show notes for each show. So instead of scribbling notes or pausing or anything like that, you can just jump onto there at aligntherapy.com slash podcast and get yourself a detailed description of the show. All right, quote that I got for today is from Mr. Charles Darwin, and the quote goes, something like this a man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life a man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life it's pretty good boredom sounds like you uh need to reevaluate your existence here if you're experiencing that type of sensation on a regular basis um thank you guys so much for utilizing the uh, amazon affiliate link on the right hand sidebar of the podcast page anytime you or your friends or family buy some crap on amazon pour from four buy your crap through that link bookmark that little sucker and then the podcast gets about seven percent of that purchase takes it out of the amazon piggy bank and drops it into hours great free way to support this show um i think that might be about all we got uh i'm gonna be doing i'm gonna be teaching at the low carb summit here in i think like 10 days or so it's the beginning of august and uh, so if you guys come out for that come on out in san diego and then i will be teaching at oregon eclipse festival and ancestral health symposium anyways those are some places if you guys are out and about in anywhere on the west coast in the next coming month i will be motoring around and would love to connect hit us up on the social media um the intro of this fella we're, we're going to lead you in with a song from nicola cruz we mentioned Nicola Cruz throughout here. Here's a little tidbit of it. And then at the end, I include the whole entire song for you. So stick around for the end and catch that guy. And thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. Back to the shizzy with Mr. Max Lucavea. <laughs> 
podcast. I reckon we's recording up in this bitch. Boom. Yeah. So what's your qualm with the nootropics? Uh, I just feel like they, you know, um, my favorite nootropic is, is food. And uh, yeah. I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, uh, no pun intended, in, in people's diets that they don't go for. And instead they spend, you know, excessive uh, dollars dollar bills on uh on supplements that they don't ultimately need yeah you know so what kind of what kind of food is nootropic like i, I know that's a stupid question yeah but <laughs> um blueberries you know i would say blueberries uh, have been shown in many animal models um to improve I, I shouldn't even say animal models just in animals to improve uh cognitive function um in humans, there's interesting uh, population research um, and observational studies showing that uh, berry anthocyanins can um, reduce cognitive aging. One of my friends uh, is one of the main um, researchers on uh, blueberry anthocyanins and, and cognitive function, uh, Dr. Robert Krikorian. And um, yeah, blueberries are incredibly um, potent nootropics. And uh, But you know, most people's diets are are suboptimal anyway so improving their diet is definitely going to improve uh, executive function yeah yeah i i uh joke I'm, I'm i'll probably use this or whatever we'll see whether i what, the yeah. way that i start the podcast i just start wherever it makes sense cool you know so Sweet. whenever it's like cool i feel like i'd want to listen at that point i start yeah. right then nice. i like it <laughs> yeah, I like so it. <laughs> we may or may not use any of this stuff but yeah, that's like something I joke about is like if I go surf and I'm drinking good water and I'm like dancing and I'm eating good food, yeah, I think that immediately trumps the effects of most nootropics that yeah. I could utilize. Yeah, totally. You know, totally. And and like you know, I mean, the definition of a nuo nootropic nootropic. I, no, I always pr- I think nootropic. No? Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> Nuo. I say Nuo. Do. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, there's so many things that you that you say a million times over in your head, but then once it comes out of your mouth, it's like bleh, you just like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, I I drink coffee every day. Caffeine is a nootropic. You sure. know, I drink. I love iced green tea, which has a very powerful nootropic called theanine in it, yeah. along with catechins and, um, you know, caffeine and 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 other compounds that are that synergize the effect of L-theanine. Whereas in a supplement, it's like, you know, supplements and, and people interested in nutrition in general always uh, suffer from the same um, problem. And that is that this they take this reductionist approach. Like we're going to take the best aspect of green tea, theanine, and we're going to put it in a supplement. We're going to sell it to millions of people. Well, there's other compounds in green tea that are, that work synergistically with theanine and are, you know, just as good, if not better for your brain than theanine. So I just, I drink the iced green tea. I always, I do a lot of television. I do like the Dr. Oz show all the time. I do the doctors and, you know, you have to really, your performance game has to be on point when the cameras go on, especially in front of a live audience, which both of those shows have. And uh, I always drink a super concentrated cup of green tea before Mm. I go on. And I'm always, you know, like my brain turns on, I feel super on top of my game and uh lo and behold when i watch the segments that i tape i'm always super proud of them 
Hmm. Um, so that's a little hack that, that I use. What? So I've had some moments where uh, literally felt like full-on anxiety attacks, like, oh, my God, I'm on stage, and uh, I think I'm going to pass out. <laughs> um, have you had any experiences like that? And, and do you have any type of, like, I hate the word hack, but I tend to use it a lot, but I preface with I hate the word hack, but just, like, <laughs> pre-on-stage rituals or something to kind of get you in line other than the green tea um yeah i mean sometimes i'll do like some breathing exercises to just get a little bit of like sympathetic activation going they've shown which is basically you know you have your sympathetic nervous response and your parasympathetic nervous response and they're both sort of like the yin and yang to your autonomic nervous system um and uh research shows that um we perform better with a little bit of anxiety um so i mean it's, it's sort of counterintuitive to to performers they might think that that's pretty self-explanatory but uh, you know, you might think that you don't want to be, you don't want to have any anxiety before you go on stage. Right. Well, a little bit, I think is good. A little bit, um, to just put, push you just outside of your comfort zone actually brings about your best performance. Yeah. Some research shows. So doing like some quick breathing, you know, when you exhale, you activate your parasympathetic and when you inhale, you activate your sympathetic. I mean, this is sort of, yeah. um, simplified, but, uh, but yeah, to sort of get my heart rate up, you know, you can kind of hack your body uh, into a state of like mild sympathetic activation. I think you that's like really hyperventilate good. yourself. Um, I mean, I just want to get my heart rate up. Gag, gag yourself. Yeah, you gag yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bring a noose to every event. I bring yeah. <laughs> that's next level. That's next level shit. I'm doing my first uh, keynote at the Biohacker Summit in two weeks, and so I'm. That's that's making me a little nervous because I've never actually done a keynote. Mm. But uh, what are you speaking on? Um, I haven't yet figured it out, but it's likely going to be, um, you know, about, uh, you know, my, my top biohacks, um, for optimizing cognitive function with the sort of pleasant side effect of minimizing risk for dementia, which is sort of like my, my passion. Um, but, uh, but yeah, again, like all these terms are so funny, like biohacking. I think that the, I think that the more important thing that we need to do is rather than hack our biology is hack our environment i mean it's our environment that's changed it's not our biology you know so i mean i think that the term is a little bit of a misnomer even though i like it uh, i'll use it you know and there are certain things that i think there are certain places where i think it's appropriate like the evolutionary plan for all of us is to get old and die i'd like to find a way to circumvent that Mm. you know i have a genetic mutation which means that i don't metabolize b vitamins properly i like to circumvent that you know that mutation so that i you know, die less soon or get sick, you know, less soon if that's in the cards for me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the biggest challenge is, is our environment and hacking that as you all know, I mean, movement, like, you know, sitting at desks nine hours a day and like, how do we hack that environment? That's not biohacking. That's like environment. hacking. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big thing is we guys having this conversation recently around like, how do we start to change the school system and make schools greener and like all these things. And, you know, it's like something as simple. We were talking about uh, a friend, Kelly Starrett. He has like stand-up kids thing, which mm-hmm. I, I think you appreciate if you check into it. And essentially making schools in his area, uh, I think San Francisco, Marin area, um, stand-up desks, mm-hmm. right? And so they're showing it's like it's increasing concentration and decreasing ADHD and decreasing obesity and like all these things that are horrible. It's like, okay, so if we just don't give them the option... You know, or they do have the option. They can sit down if they feel like it. Yeah. But you come in and you're forced into this mold, mm. right? And yeah. now all of a sudden your shoulders are forced to roll forward and your pelvis is forced to roll forward and your knees collapse in, your glutes disengage and like all the things. We're literally p- pressing you into that mold. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, it's horrible. You know, so it's like, okay, what if instead of thinking about the outcome of what's coming out of the mold, what if we started to look at the mold? Yeah. You know? Totally, totally. I mean, I wasn't a very, you know, like my grades always pretty much sucked. And I was <laughs> the kid that like always got told that he has tremendous potential, but never, you know, like needs to, needs to reach it um, before too long. And uh, I actually have a note that I found because um, I spent a lot of time with my mom in New York. And uh, I was like, you know, just hanging around in her, in her living room one day. And my mom has a tendency to like unearth things that are, you know, her house, her house is pretty cluttered. I think it's cluttered. She doesn't think so. She thinks it's, you know, she just loves to save stuff. But um, I always like, I'll go and there'll be something like hanging out on a coffee table. That's like a family heirloom. And I'm like, what, you know, what is this doing? Just like sitting out here like that. And it was uh, on in this on this occasion. It was a note from the resource room of my elementary school, and the note said, "This was before email, so it was like handwritten." It said "resource room" on the top, and it was like, "Dear Mr. and Mrs. Lugavere, like many children that are intellectually gifted, Max suffers from you know easy distraction distractibility, you know, and he you know it, it seems very difficult for him to focus. We recommend setting up a uh, meeting with the counselor." you know, and, and you can do that by following up, you know, at the phone number on the back of this sheet or something like that. So, you know, evidence that, uh, that I was always like really, it was always really hard for me to focus. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was always pretty, I think intelligent, but again, my grades suffered and, and, but I was never formally diagnosed with ADD. I think I might've just had this sort of like low grade, uh, you know, executive function, uh, I don't want to say, you know, disability, it's not a disability, but this just sort of like um, an inability to function properly under the constraints of that, of that mold. In a system that maybe you're not meant to function properly in. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there's this idea that ADD is really um, not so much a pathologic condition, but a, uh, you know, the result of trying to sort of like shoehorn these different brains you know, all kinds of different brains into the modern, you know, one size fits all educational system. You yeah. know, some people learn better when they're fidgeting. Some people learn better at standing desks, research shows. Some people learn better, you know, when they see things on slides versus, you know, being spoken, you know, the, the lecture, for example. And I know I haven't really nailed in my best learning style, but, um, but I know that everybody's different and it's a, you're right. It's a major problem. Speaking of fidgeting, would you like one of my yeah my balls? Yeah, yeah. sure. And <laughs> so, give me one of your balls. So we're currently sitting down in the upstairs of uh, CrossFit LA here, and uh, we're sitting on foam rollers. So we're 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 propping up our, our booty cheeks, and we're opening up the pelvic floors and stacking the spines and all those things, rolling hands slash feet slash whatever you're in into onto these these foam ball things. You know, so that's a really great example of like okay, like how can we? This is kind of like work, I guess. Ish. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't call it that but you know this is uh, we're at work in a way in a way in yeah. a way yeah you know it's fun it's like, we're lucky but it's it's fun work yeah that's right yeah. you know but how can you make it so that while you're at work you're actually stacking these variables in your favor that i'm becoming a better human being as i'm doing the thing that i do for my my, my business my career or my school or fill yeah. the blank thing mm -hmm. you know is there anything from uh like nutritional perspective any other things that you see as far environmentally that is low hanging fruit change changers. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, the, the fact that we, none of us eat, you know, 
enough vegetables, fibrous vegetables, dark leafy greens, things like that. I mean, that's sort of a given. Um, I read this, you know, incredible review the other day that suggested that our Paleolithic ancestors um, consumed four times the potassium as we do today. And potassium works, you know, synergistically with sodium to keep blood pressure in balance, among, you know, a myriad of other things that I don't know. But, uh, but you know, like, these are the kinds of foods that, um, you know, the more you eat, the less risk for dementia you have, the younger your brain looks on scans, you know, and we can make, you know, a, a broad, we can, you know, use uh, associations, but then there are all these like really interesting um, and plausible mechanisms behind why vegetables might be good for us. So, I mean, everything from the micronutrients, um, you know, magnesium, very important for hundreds of enzymatic processes in the body. You have the fiber that the bacteria in your large intestine ferment. You know, you've got uh, folate, which is really important for uh, neurotransmitter synthesis and keeping homocysteine low, which is an amino acid uh, that we have in our bodies that um, in general you want, you know, a lower number than a higher number because having it elevated is a sign of other inflammatory processes having happening in the body. And, you know, you it puts you at higher risk for Alzheimer's disease, cardiovascular disease, and folate is one of those things that brings it down. Mm. Um, you know, so uh, vegetables are really important. Um, that's sort of a no-brainer, no pun intended. Um, I was on the Dr. Osh show talking about eggs and the, and the value of eggs. You know, few people really make this connection, but um, I think it's really, uh, it's a nice little thing to remember that in an embryo, the first structure to develop is the nervous system, which includes the brain. Mm. And so an egg yolk is therefore the perfectly designed, um, you know, food pod to grow a brain. You know, regardless of what, what organism we're talking about, you know, whether it's a chicken egg or a human egg. And yolks have been demonized for so many um, for so many decades. And, you know, it's something that I also like to remind uh, my vegan friends, you know, that, like, think that eggs, for whatever reason, are unhealthy. They're, they're absolutely not. They're vital to a healthy brain. They've got an egg yolk literally has everything required for human health. And mm. not in their complete amounts, but... Um, but yeah, egg yolks are amazing, including the the nootropic choline. Exactly. Yeah, choline. Yeah, yeah. So that I actually have a list on my website of my favorite nootropic foods, and eggs is up there because choline is the precursor to acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter involved in learning and memory. Is LSD on your list? LSD is not on my list, ah. but but <laughs> I am really interested in all the in all the research that's coming out now about uh, I was going to say acid LSD and um, psilocybin, uh, mushrooms. I'm super, super interested. Would you like some reishi tea? It's okay if not. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> I like reishi though. I have, um, I like reishi. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Um, cool, man. I, uh, can you get into a little bit of your interest in Alzheimer's? Like, it's kind of funny, like young, handsome fella. It's like, I'm like, Alzheimer's is my passion. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. What is that? It's a really good question. Um, and I think you know, a lot of people don't expect me to be so interested in it. But um, yeah, I mean, I uh, my mom has a kind of dementia. Yeah. And um, at first I didn't know what it was. So I kind of intuitively focused on, on Alzheimer's disease uh, because it was the most common form of dementia. But not having any sort of prior family history of uh, neurodegenerative disease... Um, I was sort of in between projects. Uh, I was left my like five year long stint as a TV host and producer working for a TV network called current, current TV. 
um, which Al Gore founded. And, uh, you know, I did that. I was kind of like living in L.A., the Hollywood sort of young, you know, Hollywood high life. Um, it's just as glamorous and annoying as you, uh, as it sounds. Um, but lo and behold, I was like in my, in my mid twenties and having a great time. And when I decided to leave current to figure out what other creative avenues I wanted to explore, um, I, uh, it was at that exact time that, um, my mom started showing signs of memory loss. Mm. And, uh, it's not something that we immediately even, um, were alarmed about because, you know, I didn't have any, you know, it's funny that today people call me an expert in, in Alzheimer's disease and prevention and things like that, because, uh, just five years ago, I didn't even know what Alzheimer's disease was. I didn't know what Parkinson's disease was. I had no concept of any of this stuff. Um, I, uh, was really just a guy who wanted to see what was wrong with his mom, who started suddenly complaining of mental fogginess and, um, started, you know, walking in a way that was, uh, you know, her gait seemed to have changed. And again, we had no idea what any of this was, but at the time I was in between projects and I started spending more and more time in New York and, um, you know, she was on her own going to doctor's appointments, but I was still pretty like hands off, uh, until it was really, um, it seemed really, like unclear and it was getting to a point where we you know we really wanted to know what was going on and we booked a trip to uh cleveland ohio to visit the cleveland clinic which is you know one of the top uh you know medical institutions in the united states and we took took a trip there me and my mom and that was where we we booked like this whole battery of appointments you know because the cleveland clinic is known for taking this sort of uh you know, all hands on deck approach, you know, they kind of, they take your medical case and they coalesce like a team around you. And so we thought that was cool because like my mom's symptoms weren't adding up, you know, it's not something that we thought that a cardiologist could explain or her, you know, her internist. Um, and, uh, and of course we didn't, we didn't even really think at least initially to go to a neurologist but you know within that battery of appointments at the cleveland clinic we made a we made an appointment with a neurologist and it was there that um my mom was first diagnosed with some kind of neurodegenerative disease and at first it was actually something more similar to parkinson's disease but because she was also having what seemed like cognitive symptoms uh she was prescribed a drug that they typically prescribe for Alzheimer's patients. And I didn't know that, you know, until I, I took the, the prescription sheet, you know, from the doctor's office with my mom. And I, you know, I was, I was helping her do pretty much everything. So I was holding onto the sheets and, um, you know, when we walked out of the doctor's office, I did what any kid with an unlimited data plan would do. And I Googled the drug to see what kind of drug, or drugs my mom was prescribed and um one of them was for alzheimer's disease and uh i just you know like i i think that was the first time in my life i've ever had like a panic attack mm. um and uh yeah it was like it was really really hard to wrap my head around that um and it's still really hard for me to wrap my head around you know what my mom has and and you know i sometimes i kind of tell myself that it's all kind of like a, you know a joke or a 
that she's faking it or, you know, I don't even know, or that it's psychosomatic or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, so at that, at that point I basically became obsessed with learning everything I could about, uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and, and specifically prevention and what, you know, what it was in my mom's environment that might've contributed to her developing the disease that she had. And, uh, you know, her diagnosis wasn't clear, but I, um, I just intuitively picked Alzheimer's and, you know, um, I became really interested in Alzheimer's prevention, but, um, but you know, these, these diseases really bleed into one another. So it's not that I am just in, you know, it's not that I just focused on Alzheimer's, um, you know, and put blinders onto all the other diseases. That's not true. I, I mean, I was reading about Parkinson's, you know, and the idea of, preventing that you know and there's so many unknowns and i'm you know like i don't purport to know everything in fact the more i learn the less i feel like i know but you know i have gleaned a fair amount of knowledge in terms of the latest science on dementia prevention and cognitive optimization and it's really it all comes back to the fact well two things that one you know if i would do anything in my power to help my mom and two i would do anything in my power to prevent that from ever happening to me yeah. and my peers and the people that i care about yeah, and you've mentioned that the what is it the signs of alzheimer's end up popping up or the the beginning stages of a pop up like 30 to 40 years before is that what is is that a thing what is it that it begin yeah it begins in the brain 30 to 40 years before the first symptom okay. so um, you how know, do we know that? How does, how does, how does one well, determine that? They So they have, they don't know what the first thing is. They just have things that they know that are associated with the, with the disease. And they look for those biomarkers in mm. people of all ages. So, um, you know, one of the things that uh, is very highly characteristic of, of Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia is something called glucose hypometabolism, which is basically an underutilization of glucose by your brain cells. Now, glucose is a form of fuel that your brain uh, will use primarily today. Um, but uh, And your brain is a very metabolically hungry organ, so 25% of your base metabolic rate is owed to your brain. Um, so you can imagine uh, if the brain for whatever reason is, you know, is unable to properly use glucose, uh, how devastating that could be. And that, you know, that begins in the brain well before the first symptom. And in a patient with advanced Alzheimer's disease, glucose utilization can be 50% of what it is in a normal healthy brain. But Mm -hmm. here's what's so interesting is that they've found, um, they've done uh, what are called FTG PET scans, which looks at, at the rate of glucose utilization in brains of people across the age spectrum. And they found that people with the gene variant that um, puts people at higher risk for developing Alzheimer's disease, it's called the APOE4 allele, uh, have a mild underutilization of glucose um, in their brains pretty much across the age spectrum. And that doesn't necessarily even correlate with cognitive symptoms. But that but that gene is the one gene, the most well-defined risk gene for Alzheimer's disease. So and there, there are other bar- biomarkers that um, researchers can look at. They can look at, you know, amyloid load in the brain. They can look like they can look at uh, amyloid present in cerebrospinal fluid. Amyloid is like the protein that aggregates and forms plaque in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's disease. But going back to the the, you know, glu- 
glucose hypometabolism, what that basically suggests is that uh, this is really like a lifelong cumulative process, you know, that, that essentially this, this gene, this APOE4 allele is the canary in the coal mine of the Western way of life, that, you know, that it's a lifelong uh, process where, you know, somebody with it, you take somebody with this gene, you put them on the standard American diet where they're fed glucose constantly, um, and then you throw in all the other, you know, lifestyle factors like the, you know, the lack of movement, you know, sedentary lifestyles, unhealthy oils, lots of alcohol all the time, chronic stress, sleep deprivation, you throw all of that into the pot. And um, that seems to be, you know, the APOE4 carriers, which are one in four people, seem to really uh, um, respond poorly cognitively to, to that, to those factors. And that's what seems to put somebody to tip the scale, you know, so that one person will develop Alzheimer's disease where another person doesn't. But ultimately, my message is that all people are at risk. So many people that um, have Alzheimer's disease don't even have this this gene variant. Mm. It just puts you at higher risk. So it's really a problem that we're all, you know, facing, that we're all at risk for. And um, again, I mean, the best evidence there is, you know, suggests that it's a lifelong thing. So, I mean, you know, and we don't, again, we don't know all the answers, but, um, you know, if you look at metabolic chamber studies, if you look at, you know, research into like type 2 diabetes and diets, dietary interventions to reverse type 2 diabetes, and you, uh, a pattern emerges where you begin to see how one might choose to eat um, to, you know, bolster metabolic health and uh, encourage metabolic health as opposed to fight it. Um, and so, yeah, so that, I guess that has led me to, um, lots of research into diet and uh, dietary patterns and, you know, individual, you know, diversity in terms of, you know, how we each respond to different foods. I mean, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all diet, um, which is, I think, uh, what what a lot of sort of health gurus like to promote, the idea that there's like, a you know, one diet for everybody. I don't think that's true. Yeah. But... Um, but I do think there are some salient, you know, things that you can take away. And, and I think apply. I think there is. Uh, this is com- most of this is completely wrong. Which handing it some some moments moments of of accuracy. But I think it was like Paracelsus or Hippocrates or something like that. He hypothesized that uh, when you sleep, there's this fluid that ends up kind of being pulled from your brain and moving through the rest of your body. Essentially, like sleeping is this like filtering processing time for the fluids in your brain. Mm-hmm something like that it was like a magical sacred flu whatever and we find out you know this amyloid plaque stuff you know it's like apparently from my understanding from previous podcast guests sleep is a really big moment for that amyloid plaque to move do you know anything about that as well or do you just see it from the nutritional perspective no yeah absolutely i um i'm friendly with the guy who discovered uh the system that you're talking about the glymphatic system Mm. um and it's basically you know, you have these ducts in your brain. It's sort of named for the lymphatic system for which it kind of resembles, which is the, you know, the system of ducts throughout the body that um, carry waste debris, dead white blood cells and things like that to be eliminated. Um, But in the brain, yeah, it's like a car wash for your brain. Right. I call it a douche. Yeah, douche. A brain douche. (laughs) I prefer to be offensive if I can. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So that's actually the kind of, that's the kind of douching that um, I think is positive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody, I mean, douching, I don't think, a douche, nobody wants to hang out with douches, but then, like, I don't know, for women's health, I, I don't, you know, 
I don't have an opinion. I don't have a dog in the race with the douching thing, but I, I'm pretty sure it's not that good of a thing. Yeah. Well, I I, from don't trust me on this though. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been around enough women in my life to kind of like glean some, and I've picked up a Cosmopolitan magazine or two <laughs> in my life uh, to get the sex tips. But, but yeah, I don't think it's a very good thing. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and the it, douching the brain—that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so is there any other things as far as um, preventative care in the long run that, that one could be thinking about? One of the things that I've, I was researching in relation to, to talking with you is the effect of uh, music and dance. Yeah. You know, and, and just how it's this disorganization or disconnect from, you know, you could say it's like the neural, the neurons, or you could say in like a connective tissue perspective, you know, it's like if you allow your connective tissue to sit in place, that sedentary lifestyle, mm. it becomes disorganized. Yeah. You know, when you look at pain in the body, you look at pain and like, we have, if we have like a lot of pain in my mid spine area or whatever, you know, and then you end up, you end up uh, doing like a, you know, a pet or, you know, you end up looking at that, you see that, those areas are actually, it's not that they're, you'd think they'd be like red and agitated and raging. They're actually kind of blue and dead. Hmm. You know, it's, so it's that disconnect yeah. in our physical tissue body that creates the pain. Yeah. And we see something like music and dance kind of organizing our brain tissue as well. Is that anything you've thought about at all? Or is that, I mean, I know I'm a fan of music and I know that uh, learning to play a musical instrument is one of the best things that you could do for your brain right. in terms of listening to music. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a great documentary, I think it's called, um, alive inside mm. where, uh, they show that, you know, patients with even pretty severe Alzheimer's disease seem to come alive when you play their favorite song. And Dude, that's because, yeah. because music and your connection to music is like deeply embedded in the emotional centers of the brain. So even if like your language, your ability to communicate is gone, you can still have an emotional response which is like very like deep limbic system, like reptilian, you know, uh, you know, that, that's like pretty deep in the recesses of your brain. Um, the ability to sort of like recognize that and to uh, respond to that. So yeah, I mean, music is, music is great. Um, I try to, when I'm in my mom's house, I try to, I bought her actually a, um, an Amazon echo. Uh, I think that's what it's, what it's called. It's like that Alexa thing. And I had this idea. I actually think that this is a tremendous use for that device and Google Home. You know, there's a lot of disabled people that, uh, you know, that this device provides a way where you could just speak the the thing that you want to hear. I mean, imagine if you're like a quadriplegic or if you're handicapped or whatever, but you can speak and uh, you can get them to play whatever music you want. So I had this idea that if I bought my mom an Amazon Echo, she'd be able to just say, play Rolling, you know, Alexa, play Rolling Stones and it would play her favorite music. And that that would be something that she would, uh, that would help her therapeutically, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, even with, with patients with uh, dementia, even that instruction is pretty hard. So my mom, um, my mom's never been good with technology. So there's a bit of a confounding variable there. But it's, uh, she hasn't figured out how to even do that with the Alexa. So it's kind of just sitting there gathering dust. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah music is so important. Want to give a quick thanks to Four Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. They are a amazing company that infuses medicinal mushrooms into various different tea and coffee blends. You can also get mushrooms on them on their own. Uh, really amazing product. I use it every day. Tim Ferriss, various different rad people have been getting down on this stuff. Get yourself ten percent 
off at foursigmatic.com slash align. That's F-O-U-R sigmatic, S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash align. Make sure to use the align code to get 10% off on that purchase. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope you guys enjoy your tea and the rest of this podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, I saw another thing that it's it showed that music pre-surgery, during surgery, or post-surgery reduces pain wow. in subjects. Mm-hmm. And then um, another thing on top of that, being able to choose your own music ended up having even a greater effect wow you know so just the fact i think that there's probably also like obviously you like the songs or whatever that you're choosing but i think there's also something to the the empowerment yeah. you know of, yeah. it, of like no i choose i put the flower here i played this song you yeah. know people really like to have that autonomy you know when you see people in like retirement homes and that there's other studies that you know connect this where it's like if you give people some autonomy and give people some choice of like you know what, bitches, like, this is how I want to have the room, you know, when I have people visit, I want them to visit at this time. Yeah. All of a sudden, you see them become, you know, healthier. They yeah. become a little bit more bright and upright and, you know, all the all the biomarkers start going up just because they feel empowered yeah. as opposed to this disempowerment. Okay, you're a child now. We'll handle everything. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder, I don't know if that's... It's so interesting. What uh, what song would you choose to play? To, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you were either in a state where you needed, you know, y- your loved ones needed to play music for you to see if you know it would uh, improve conditions, or if you were, you know, if you had a surgery lined up, like what would be the one song that you would uh, that you would want to play? Dear God, I don't know, man. The the, uh, the music that we were listening to down in the the gym area is uh, there's a woman called Nicola Cruz. Okay, I'm pretty sure that's what she's called. I'll, huh. I'll include the links in the show notes. There's uh, Kathy's listening right now. She makes the show notes, so Nicola uh-huh. Cruz can include that. And um, yeah, she's rad, man. But I really like music that kind of combines elements from around the world. Hmm. You know, and so things like Amazonian, whatever, and African drums and, you know, with a little bit of like an electric element, like mm. bass and such. Mm. To me, that puts me, one of my favorite states is the feeling of like uplifting, kind of like going to war type feelings, mm. you know, that just that feeling like, yeah. like waking up. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? It's your choice. Man, well, for me, it's pretty easy. My favorite band of all time is the band Live. Oh, and, dude! Uh, yeah, take me back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's my favorite. It's my favorite band of all time. I mean, I, I obviously listen to a lot of other stuff, but um, I would have to say, I mean, my favorite song of all time is has to be "Lightning Crashes." So I, you know, that would that would have to be it. Oh, dude! Yeah, that was my that was my stuff when I was like twelve. Really? Yeah. Not to, not to belittle you, like, but I was like absolutely obsessed. Live Bush, yeah. Pearl Jam. Yeah. I was so down. Then, For me, it was always it was like. You know, if you in terms of my appreciation of music, it was like live was like the Empire State Building, and all other bands were like a ranch, like two story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I just I, I worship that band. You've and, been to um, shows? Uh, I've been to so many shows. I've been to like fifty shows. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the um, when we go to shows and such, just like the medicine around that you know yeah. like it's kind of like going to a doctor it's like I, I i consider the the ocean to be a doctor yeah in you know all sorts of different ways mm-hmm. you know you go in and it moves you and it's, it's this environmental thing right so if mm-hmm. you surf you go out and you get thrashed by waves and you get twisted and turned and you get the sun and you're barefoot and you it does all this stuff and you only realize it's happening yeah you know it's the same thing that happens when you go to a concert you absolutely. get moved by the concert oh my god yeah absolutely and i've always felt that and uh Music is actually, I've gravitated to 
um, you know, TV and film and writing and stuff like that. Um, but some people that are listening, my, I mean, I've, I've, I am a musician and I've played music, um, out and I don't, you know, I, I wish I was a better musician. I wish like, you know, it's a lifelong process of, of, you know, musicality is just this thing that's like always, you could always get better and learn more. But, um, but yeah, music has always been the, the medium that to me has been the most impactful just in terms of like my own you know, like I get goosebumps very easily to music, which mm-hmm. suggests that I have a very open personality according to research, which I think is cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I get, I get serious, like religious, spiritual, like fulfillment from the music that I listen to. What else do you get religious, spiritual fulfillment from? Man, I, I honestly love exercise. I love, uh, I love, um, certain kinds of, I mean, certain kinds of exercise for sure. I've always loved, uh, weightlifting you know i just think it's i go into this like zen space um even though i'm not uh you know i'm not a bodybuilder or anything like that i just i, I love um hitting the gym and, and having a great workout i uh i love um man there's so much i like playing music i like researching and reading and having you know conversations with people that i admire um, or, you know, want to learn from, um, I love a good movie too. I can't forsake, uh, TV and movies, um, tremendously inspiring medium for me, especially lately, uh, like long form television. I think the, the creativity and storytelling going into TV today is just like so inspiring. I'm a huge game of Thrones fan. Um, I haven't so, seen it, dude. Yeah, it's I love a real it. problem. I love it. it <laughs> it's so it leaves me awkward many times where I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, it's the you know, there's uh, on the surface, there's a lot that you would can sort of like choose to roll your eyes um, to. You know, the fact that there's a lot of like nudity and stuff like that, but it's it's a pinnacle of human imagination when you hmm. consider the production that goes into it and the storytelling and just how intricate and how many characters and the acting and, and the music. Oh my god, the music is amazing. I'm just like. I think it's so incredible. Breaking Bad was another one of those shows that, like, just mind-blowing. Um, and my favorite show of all time, actually, which is not... We're totally going off topic <laughs> with this little tangent. But my favorite show of all time, which is not nearly as perfect as Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, but it's my favorite show of all time, was Six Feet Under, mm. which is all about mortality and philosophy and spirituality. And I liken Six Feet Under, actually, to... Um, Sort of like the TV version of like what I got from lives music back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I um, I was talking with a, a client this morning, and we were talking about um, how so often we end up kind of trying to. You come into the gym, and you're all twisted, compressed, compromised, like all the adjectives for for not in a good place. And the way that we remedy that is by lifting more weights and pushing harder. You know, and the analogy that we use is kind of like. It's like you have a burning building, and you're like, okay, we got to put the burning building out. Like, pass me the flamethrower. It's like I think that culturally speaking, we don't have nearly as much emphasis on more of those yin components, you know, yeah. the spending the time of, of really introspection, you know, and going in and seeing how much value and potency we can get out of ourselves if we allow the pendulum to swing to the other way, but we just kind of like force the pendulum to stay in go mode. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a problem. It's definitely, I mean, and technology, no doubt, um, contributes to that. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is there um so what's the what's the 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 progress that you've seen in your research digging into brain health? Like do you see light at the end of the tunnel with people that are afflicted with something like Alzheimer's? Is yeah. there anything like that? Well, my real like um, you know, my my passion is I'm not I'm not uh you know, an activist and my work is not really about um you know, it's not that I'm really focused on, I'm passionate about like, you know, nutrition and lifestyle factors and, you know, getting this information out to young people. I'm not uh, trying to cure mm. as much as I want them to get the same information. Yeah. Um, my passion isn't curing Alzheimer's. My passion is in, you know, uh, changing the direction of the ship for, for my peers and for, you know, millennials and for young people, because this is really, I think the, you know, we're literally living in the midst of this like amazing window of opportunity to change our cognitive destiny for our future. Um, and I also think it's like just really fucking cool. I love health. I love nutrition. Every new study that comes out by the day, I share it constantly on, you know, Facebook and, uh, I just geek out. Like I just love, Oh, there's a chemical discovered in natto that can, you know, like Im- increase my lifespan by 10%, you know, if I start eating it now. Like right. it's actually uh, that was a study that was like I think the last study I posted on my Facebook. They f- there's a chemical, a compound in natto called spermidine, which was named because it was first discovered in sperm, mm. but it's in natto. Yeah. I tell everyone <laughs> that sperm is very nutritious. I mean, it's uh <laughs> I mean that, that's true actually. I w- I don't I don't I'm I mean, yeah, also. I don't doubt it. <laughs> That was, I think, Roman, was it Roman guys? I believe they uh, they were convinced that by ingesting the semen of big, strong men, yeah. it will make them be also big, strong men. Yeah. Just saying. That's what they were saying? That's, That's what they were, what telling, they were saying? They were telling yeah. their I mean, there's probably something to it. I'm not Man. insinuating anything. <laughs> we're alone in this room. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, we should yeah. follow that with an awkward silence. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember hearing that actually in my philosophy class. It was yeah. really, really funny. I was did like, your those, did your philosophy Romans. teacher like stare deeply into your eyes as you say it? No, is he a big, strong, bearded man? No, no. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, <laughs> crisis averted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, gut permeability yeah. and uh, the effect of things like grain. So I just got my thing back from a company called Cyrex, Cyrex hmm. Labs, and my my allergens, which I find out is zero, which was incredibly disappointing. And yeah, it, was, right. it was like bittersweet. <laughs> They're like, we have absolutely nothing to tell you. Like, <laughs> like nothing, you know? And That's was, so funny. I'm not allergic to anything. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, thanks. That was good. Um, but with that along with that would be like bread like i don't have any apparently any kind of like allergen markers around um gluten or bread or whatever and then i hear people like yourself and people like all sorts of people mentioning like i know maybe you're not like highly allergic to it yeah but it's still damaging you at a like a sub visible yeah. right now level right or is that wrong because you go to europe and it's like bug it you know yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I definitely don't think that that gluten is uh, is healthy. I get asked about this a lot. I think that we've lost a lot of our gut resilience to what you know we might normally be able to withstand. You know, the occasional insult. I think now gluten is just you know everything is fortified with it, um, and at the same time, our gut mucosa, which is basically this protective layer of the gut that lies uh, sort of in between, like I guess what you would call the microbiome and our 
gut barrier lining has become so damaged because of all the you know processed food additives like emulsifiers and things like that. None of us eat enough fiber. So I mean, we're eating lots and lots of this this protein that research has shown in everybody causes this sort of exaggerated uh, opening of the pores in our gut mm. in the context of a diet that is really um, not doing our gut any favors. You know, we're not getting enough fiber. We're starving our you know bacterial friends. You know of of fermentable prebiotic fiber this gut mucosa is becoming really damaged due to emulsifiers which they show you know is, is really they don't know whether or not it damages the mucosa directly or it just promotes the growth of bacteria that are more easily able to penetrate the mucosa but either way it's inflaming our guts and uh, driving all kinds of other other problems and i've also read some research where they've controlled for many other factors and they've just added gluten to the diets of mice and they seem to gain more weight and have uh worse metabolic health afterwards. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I don't think it's something that, uh, I think most people would be better off avoiding it. And I also think that, you know, having, developing an autoimmune response to something is not the same as an allergy. So you can have an autoimmune, you know, response, which, uh, can develop silently. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, would be, that wouldn't necessarily qualify as like an overt allergic reaction to something. So, you know, my personal experience with this is, you know, I too am not allergic to wheat and I grew up eating, you know, New York Jew, like grew up eating bagels <laughs> and, and shit like that and thinking that they were, you know, fine if not healthy. Yeah, it's a good stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like my mom actually, one of the very first things that, um, you know, went wrong with my mom was she, de- she started developing what uh, seemed like some kind of autoimmune thyroid disease. And there's a massive link between um, between uh, silent celiac or a sort of response to gluten and autoimmune thyroid disease. And by the way, when you have any kind of autoimmune disease, your risk for new research shows that your risk for developing dementia is increased at least 20%. Mm. Even disease, you know, autoimmune diseases that are completely disconnected from the brain. So even psoriasis increases. You have psoriasis if, it's, if you're not treating it. Uh, your risk for according to this population study done in the UK, your increased risk for dementia is 30%. So, so there's like tremendous overlap. And the gut seems to be this, this, the central mediator because when you have celiac disease, your risk for you know, a comorbidity with another autoimmune disease is higher than those other autoimmune diseases have with one another. So for example, your risk for you know, having celiac and you know, autoimmune thyroid disease is way higher than having autoimmune thyroid disease and MS, which is another uh, autoimmune disease. Yeah. So it suggests that the gut is this sort of mediator and gluten is one of these things that seems to cause a lot of problems in the gut. It's not the only thing, you know. Again, it's like the lack of dietary fiber. It's the lack of bacterial diversity, you know, that we've lost due to our overly hygienic, um, you know, uh, lifestyles um and food supply and things like that so um so it's multifaceted but i do think that it's it's better uh to avoid gluten and gluten containing grains which really are not very nutritious they're very energy dense but they're not very nutrient dense right and opting more for things that we know that we need like dark leafy greens for example and so what if you sprout the grains you know and it's that ends up leaving the phytic acid and the lectins or whatever yeah Yeah, Yeah. lectins that's the one yeah like i said nutrition's not my thing (laughs) i'm like anytime i speak on nutrition i just i am i'm just a parrot yeah you know (laughs) 
I am nothing more, <laughs> you know. But from what I've heard and been regurgitating is when you do sprout the grains, then all of a sudden it kind of puts the grain into instead of being in defense mode, leave me alone, yeah. which is the you know the the lectins and right. acids and such. It opens that up into being potentially nutritious. Is that yeah. something or am I? Um, yeah, there's no. actually. Um, I've spent some time recently with a doctor named Stephen Gundry who uh, put out a new book, um, basically all about lectins and and yeah, he would agree that there's a way to reduce them by soaking them, um, or fermenting, right? Like sourdough bread is yeah. kind of curious, curious one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be completely honest, I I'll still stay away from them because they're a very, they're they're still processed foods. Um, bread at least, not quinoa necessarily, but um, but yeah, but I think it's better in general to like save the concentrated energy sources for um, for like post workout. So yeah, maybe after a workout, I'll have some quinoa. Mm. And but to be honest, I don't really, I'm not that concerned about um lectins and things like that. Uh, again, within like a you know, like a heavy moderation sort of, you know, like I'll, I'll eat them, I think, uh, in small amounts because, you know, what I try to do is I try to make sure that I have a resilient gut. And I think that, you know, maybe there's a way that like having a small amount of lectins is beneficial in a way. I mean, so there's this whole concept that I love called hormesis, like a hormetic stressor, you know, exercise. Yeah. Exercise. Exactly. That's one of the reasons why exercise is good for you because in a way it's bad for you. Yeah. And so, unless you sleep, yeah, right, yeah, amongst you know all the yeah. nutritional factors and all the things, exactly, yeah, yeah. What about the human connection part? You know, so that's like there's, uh, I think like there was Harvard or whatever that was like the, one of the oldest studies around since like the forties or long time, but they've been studying this big group of people. I think it's seven hundred people. Mm. The specifics, I'm not sure, but what they found with with that following these people through their whole entire life, right? The people that lived the longest, you know, had the healthiest biomarkers, like all the things. They found that the number one component to that was community. Hmm. They felt a part of something. Yeah. You know, and that's the big thing that I think that that's something that very few people talk about because it's harder to to measure. Mm -hmm. You know, you can take the gluten, here it is, here's the effect on the mouse, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's a lot harder to gather up into a nice, you know, orderly little little sack the effect of your, you know, tribal network and the effect of like your self-value in the world, you know, and your your self-worth, you know, just that that joie de vivre part. You know, and I think we put, sometimes we put too much emphasis in the food or in the movement or in the whatever it is because we miss the broader umbrella thing, which is, you know, like, uh, am I excited to wake up in the morning? Right. You're right. I think you're, I think you're, I'm, well, I mean, I, th- and they all pair off of that as well. Yeah. I think it's like completely underappreciated that, uh, that aspect of it. I don't think that we, I think not, I don't think enough people focus on nutrition or at least like, you know, I think a lot of people are frequently misled when it comes to nutrition. So, um, you know, I think I think nutrition is still a major um, blank space, uh, you know, for most people. Um, you know, I get people sending me links debating me and the things that I've said all the time from, like, this website uh, called nutritionfacts.org, which basically sounds like this. Well, like, you know it's true this legitimate thing yeah but it's it's literally not a it's it's not science it's the website of this guy michael greger who's a well-known you know 
a vegan, you know, act, you know, advocate for veganism. And he's a doctor and he does make some good content, but I think like it's propaganda more than anything else. I mean, I've seen like so many of his, uh, articles basically shit on meat and completely ignore when a study will come out and say that, you know, there are actual nutrients in meat that are good for you or that it's not as simple as he, you know, portrays, for example, that's all lost in, you know, in his content. And I think that that, that's like, it does the, you know, a massive disservice to, to, to people. So, um, I'm trying to help people, I guess, sift through the, 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 the bullshit and arrive at some sort of semblance of truth. Cause I have no, financial skin in the game you know i just really want like you know uh to get the truth out there and to help people but yeah the community aspect is is obviously super important and um you know that's some something that uh they've shown that loneliness actually can change your genes the expression of your genes yeah reduces white blood cells yeah when i whatever again more regurgitation but well yes and (laughs) and stress like obviously has a physiological impact um so you know stress obviously is huge stress is a killer um so yeah i mean it's all it's all related and nobody's gonna be perfect but it's 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 about sort of i guess informing yourself so that you can like make these you know i think once you like pack the knowledge in then you're able to sort of operate on autopilot more frequently at least right yeah the somebody somebody clever said the the easiest person to fool is yourself yeah you know, so, you know, do you know who that was? That was I don't know. I, I'm sure you heard it before. Though, but but um, I think that that's something that we do anytime we're in the camp, yeah. you know, or the cult or the culture or whatever, you know, we, we end up inevitably cherry picking information. Yeah. You know, me, I'm in like the, you know, movement affects every part of your being right. camp. So I'll, that's, I'll just look at how that is. And yeah. then I you know, create all these facts or whatever. And I'm just a big stockpile of these anecdotes that I found that just prove my point. Meanwhile, when I do see something, if I, which I don't really see something in that realm so much, it seems pretty unanimous, but I just kind of ignore it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Have you witnessed that at all with your own self at all? Or, or is um, yeah, things that are like not on my radar that I, you know, wish were more on my radar. Um, I can't think of anything. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee that if it like relates to cognitive function and if it's like research vetted and things like that, then I'm probably going to want to know about it. But um, but like, yeah, this movement stuff is super interesting to me and I want to learn as much. Now I'm, I'm like hooked, you know, okay. talking with you, talking with, you know, Eric and all these other people. Um, my friend Paul back in New York, like it's, it's, it's a world that I'm pretty ignorant to, but that, mm-hmm. ig- that window of ignorance is like closing slowly, but surely the more time I spend around, you know, guys like you. So it's a very accepting open world. Yeah. You know, people are, it's, it's like, I think it's just people's way of connecting with each other. Yeah. You know, so that everyone just really comes back to the community thing. Everyone really just wants some means of connecting with other people. Yeah. You know, so if the nice thing with movement or music or whatever, it's like, do you want to jam together? Yeah. You know, do you want me to pick you up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about squats. Yeah. You know, but all it really is, is just, you know, we're just monkeys trying to groom each other and trying to make connections and such. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 And I think, um. What I think is so cool about this space that we're in, it's like uh, I've always wanted to be, I've always had a fascination with superheroes. And I think when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a superhero. And um, (laughs) I think it's so funny that like in a way, uh, 
you know, much of the work that we're doing, that you're doing, that like, you know, our, our mutual friends are doing is heroic in that sense, you know, and, and it just happens to also involve health and fitness. So in a way we all kind of want to like, we want super health, mm. but it's not like, it's not a hundred percent selfish. I mean, it's a little bit selfish, but it's, there's also a huge selfless component to it where like, you know, the minute I read something interesting and empowering that I'm going to put into practice in my own life, I want to like project that. Yeah. and like help other people so i mean there's definitely like a heroic aspect to what it is that we're doing which i think is so cool yeah it's all just trying not to, to toot my own horn but no 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 you, no but it's i like agree i wouldn't be you wouldn't be talking to you yeah. your shit if i didn't feel that way um there's alan watts is somebody i reference quite a bit are you familiar with alan watts at all philosopher like vaguely yeah oh alan sexy bitch <laughs> um he's dead now but he uh one of the things that he was he was ranting on is is uh the reason that we dig into diverse topics or learn about other people or create some type of like value outside of ourselves is in order to connect with the whole, hmm. you know? So if you meet someone that's totally self-absorbed and all they care about is me and this, and I'm so great and strong and, you know, well, you know, whatever it is, that's like an immediate turnoff, hmm. you know? So it's like, it's an interesting thing where we have this feeling of separation you know, it's like, well, I'm separated by my ectoderm, like my skin, you know, it's just me right here. Yeah. But in reality, the more that we connect outward, the more whole we become, hmm. you know, and, and yeah. health, health means whole. Yeah. Right. It's, it's an old English word. I think Interesting. It's, yeah. It's like I didn't know or something. Yeah. Huh. You know, and so it's, it's health is wholeness. Wow. And that word has been bastardized, hmm. but that wholeness I think relates to everything we're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's not just a nutrition thing. It's not just a movement thing. It's not just a community thing. But if you start to integrate all these factors, whoo, like now we're really, yeah. we're becoming more whole. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And that's what it's really all about, I think, is like striving towards that. Yeah. That Vitruvian man paradigm. Yeah, right. Know. The Vitruvian guy. Yeah. Yeah. Da Vinci. Da Vinci. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> is there anything um, like closing? We're kind of wrapping up. You got to go. Hang with the paleo chef. The paleo chef, yeah. Mutual friend, Mary, paleo chef, Mary, Mary Shenuda. Um, anything in closing? I mean, uh, I'm just super excited to have gotten to chat with you. Um, I guess people can come and find me. I'm, you know, all up on the social media, uh, you know, platforms these days, Instagram, Facebook. I share a lot of, like, research and, um, you know, and also my own sort of analysis on, on things and, you know, people if they want to connect with me. I'm definitely out there. You got a doc coming out. Yeah, so I got a documentary called Breadhead that is in the works. Um, super excited for that. And uh, I've got a lot of cool um, other projects that I can't really mention at the moment. But, um, I mean, you know one of them. But, uh, yeah, that, that hasn't been announced yet. But I, it's something that the people that follow me have been sort of asking for for a while. And uh, I got a lot of speaking gigs coming up. I don't know, you know, when, when the podcast is going to launch, but I'm going to be at the Biohacker Summit in uh, mid-May, keynoting, which I'm super excited for. That's going to be in Sweden. And then I'm speaking at Wanderlust Festival. Oh, good. This where, where at? Is it uh, the one in, in Tahoe? Vermont. Vermont, East Coast, right? You're a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Vermont. You know, Wanderlust is here in Hollywood. I just went to a thing there just recently. Oh, that's so cool. I had no idea that they were, like, such a big thing. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, the Wonderlust. Can you get a little bit? I mean, we still got a, a couple of few minutes. Do you, can you get a little bit of, of like the breadhead? What that's all about? Because it seems yeah. like 
you'd think it would be saying bread gives you Alzheimer's, but is there surely more? There's to more it than nuance. That? Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, it's the first ever dementia prevention film, and it, it centers around you know me going on this journey, motivated by my mom's ill health, and uh, the reason why I named the film Breadhead is because of the association between you know chronically elevated blood sugar and risk for things like dementia and Alzheimer's disease and stuff like that. But bread really is. Um, if you think about it, I like to say that bread is like, you know, humanity's oldest processed food, but a processed food nonetheless. It's mm. It contains gluten, which we know is, you know, not good for any of us, especially in the quantities being uh, consumed today. It's also, interestingly, um, you know, America's number one source of dietary sodium, which mm. is like not something that most people consider but uh sodium's not bad in any way but again you know we're we don't consume enough vegetables the sodium potassium balance is important and um and uh yeah it's just like and we and we tend to think of like processed foods being really high in like fat sugar and salt right well so we've got lots of you know your average slice of whole wheat bread has a higher glycemic index than table sugar it's got all the salt it's like how is that possible yeah, it's just like because people because people eat a lot of like bread products and bread products and bakery products are also uh, America's number one source of um, omega six uh, grain and seed oils. Mm. So like soybean oil, corn oil, things like that. I mean, it's just like loaded with with shit, which ends up throwing off our balance between. So omega six isn't a, ba- a bad thing, but it needs to be in correct ratio with omega three. Right. Is that correct? Right. And the, but the thing is, these these polyunsaturated oils um, used to only exist in our diets in trace amounts in whole foods and today we consume polyunsaturated rich oils which we shouldn't be doing because they very easily oxidize so that's one of the major problems and Um, oxidization does what it basically damages the fats it's like when you slice an apple and leave it you know out you know on the counter and watch it turn brown that's basically what happens at the chemical level Mm. um and uh you know it's like oxidation is what drives aging and it's a you know constant game of tug of war for all living things right. and generally we win you know we can win this game for a certain point you know for for much of our lives uh until ultimately um we can't and so the idea is to be able to stack our abilities in our favor you know to promote um endogenous antioxidant production uh which is like the antioxidants that we make you know in our own cells um, and to reduce our consumption of oxidized fats and things like that that are that promote uh, excessive um, oxidative stress because these uh, these molecules sort of have like a domino effect. They're like zombies. That yeah. like yeah. is a, an analogy that uh, the author and physician Kate Shanahan uses a lot. They sort of like bite other molecules and it becomes like this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but by avoiding those fats, and there's there's many good reasons why you should avoid them. But one of them is yeah, less exposure to these like you know, oxidized fats and oxidative byproducts like aldehydes, which are like really toxic to the brain. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so breadhead, uh, it's basically about that. It, it looks at the, you know, the notion that, um, Alzheimer's disease is this sort of metabolic problem in the brain. Um, and we've interviewed all of the researchers that are, uh, or I should say most of them, most, most of the researchers that are like really doing this work. Um, and they've, They've been nothing but, you know, super sweet and excited to be in the film, which they think is very important, too. So I'm just, I can't wait to get it out. We're editing right now, so hopefully we'll have it out by, you know, either we'll have something that people can see there later this year or very early next year. Cool.
Yeah. Sweet, man. Um, yeah, let me know when all that happens. I'd love to, we can maybe like time this or maybe have you back again or something like that. That'd be amazing. Cool, bro. Yeah, um, dude. There's a good chance that I'll be seeing you in like 30 minutes or something. What do you, do you, you know what you guys are? Guys are, me and Mary? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen her in a while, so I don't want to catch up. Right. Grab grab a cool drink like kombucha or something. All right. Maybe I'll, I'll secretly send a text later and see. Yeah, do it. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I'll be with her. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. We will uh, over and out. Is that the, that's the final words. Yeah, we already did all the social medias, all the things. Breadhead's coming up. Yeah. Hit me on Max Lugavere, Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook.com slash Max Lugavere. Word. All Peace. right. Thank you. Over and out. Cool. That was it. Dude, amazing. Dude. That was awesome. That's fun, yeah? Yeah, super fun. Yeah, these are like my favorite things to do in the world. Align Podcast. Thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast. If you guys want to show some support, show some love for what we're doing here, um, you can jump onto the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. And then from there, a uh, couple things you can do. One of which you could actually donate through Patreon. There's a link on the right-hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page. Uh, you can utilize the Amazon affiliate link. Uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on Amazon, on, please and thank you bookmark that link every time you do it we get something like seven percent of your purchase and it helps support this show it is awesome so great as well something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align that's a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash align and then from there that is is uh, you get a free audio book from Audible. They have something like, I don't know, a bajillion different titles to choose from. Uh, one that I would recommend that I got from them was Shantaram. I, it's a huge book and uh, again, all free no matter what size the book you get. And that got me through, I listened to that as I was traveling through Morocco and uh, just really, really amazing website, uh, amazing service, couldn't recommend it more. And uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um thanks so much for reviews on itunes that's greatly appreciated and thanks just in general for listening thanks for supporting thanks for for spreading the word all right i can't express enough how much i appreciate all that if you guys ever have any questions or comments you feel free to email me directly at aaron at aligntherapy.com and i would love to talk all right see you guys Thank you for listening and remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast if the information has been helpful please share and leave your comments in itunes aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile together we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world align podcast
la historia de una niña que nació del volcán, que nació del volcán, no le tiene miedo a nada, no. Apenas aprendí a caminar, me dejaron solita en la cascada. Las piernas, los hombros, los ojos, la nariz, la lengua, las, la lengua, las sienes, el cráneo, en la nuca la siento. No me toques la rodilla, no me pises las plantas, no me toques el papá. Aprendí a caminar, me dejaron solita en la cascada. Mm -hmm. 